You are listening to the Her Money Matters Podcast, episode 51. Welcome to the Her Money Matters Podcast, the podcast to help you take control of your finances. Join your host, motivational money coach, Jen Hemphill, as she shares with you practical, simple money insights and real-life stories by women like you. Let's get to it. Hello there, this is Jen Hemphill. I'm excited to have you here. It is another glorious and sunny day over here at the Her Money Matters podcast headquarters. I have to tell you, there were about three weeks that we had pretty much consecutive rain, but definitely consecutive gloom. So when the sun is out, I am just enjoying the day, even though I think we're going to have more rain uh, in the next day or so, but got to enjoy what we have, right? Now, today I have another fabulous guest for you uh, that I'm excited to bring to you. Uh, But before I do that, I want to remind you that even though the Fearless Money Sisterhood uh, membership enrollment is closed, that is pretty much around the corner. Time flies. Uh, Before you know it, July will be here. So make sure that you get yourself on the wait list uh, to be notified when it opens at jenhemphill.com forward slash fearless. Those that are on that wait list are going to get notifications. There's just going to be a little, just some fun stuff going on before the enrollment. So be sure to join that. But of course, join it, not just for the incentives and the fun stuff that's going to go on, but because you're truly interested in the program. So let's share about what we're going to learn in today's episode. We're going to learn about why our guest started working when she was 15 years old and didn't look back. And we're going to learn how she broke the rules in the financial services industry and proved the field wrong. It is a good, juicy story there. Then we're also going to learn what her take is on how much of a money cushion you should have when you retire, which is such a common question, and how to choose the best financial vehicle for your long-term saving strategy. So let me tell you a little about, bit about Mary Beth Starjahan. Mary Beth is a CFP and is the founder of Workable Wealth and works as an author, speaker, and financial coach. With over 12 years of experience in the financial services industry, she applies a fun, nonsense nonsense approach in working with individuals and couples in their 20s to 40s across the country, helping them make smart, educated choices with their money. Mary Beth makes frequent appearances on NBC as a financial expert and has been featured in major media outlets such as U.S. News and World Report, The Wall Street Journal, Glamour, Women's Health, Yahoo, Finance, and Forbes. Her first book, Work Your Wealth, Nine Steps to Make to making smarter choices with your money, cuts through all the fancy lingo, breaks down complicated topics, and provides clear-cut guidance on the money moves that you sh- that you can make to improve your financial situation right now. So let's go and talk with Mary Beth. Welcome, Mary Beth, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I'm excited to have you here. 
Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's my pleasure. I wanted to start off with just getting to know you better. And then after that, because you are a certified financial planner and this is a show about money, I have some questions for you as well. Is that good? Yep, sounds good. Perfect. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up around money, your money story. Uh, So my money story is... um, a little complicated. So uh, my family struggled financially as we as I was growing up. Um, my parents were super hard workers. They always um, um, worked to provide for my sisters and I, but they just didn't have the financial education um, that was necessary to get things on track. So um, I'm full Italian, so I always say there were lots of loud discussions about money in our household growing up. Um, my parents, unfortunately, I remember them claiming bankruptcy twice. They almost lost um, our house at one point in time. And, and I, I have those visions from my childhood remembering what was going on. So that was kind of the experience I had around money. And um, again, the, you know, my dad would work multiple jobs, like just to put food on the table and to provide for us. So it was always like this disconnect of like, you know, uh, money was always very scarce and you have to work very hard to get what you need. Um, to get by. And um, I I got my first job at the age of 15. And I've I've worked ever since. And when it came time to pay for college, um, that's how I ended up in the industry, basically, was I got a job in the financial planning industry as a receptionist um, my sophomore year. But um, yeah, so that was kind of my experience growing up. I, um, I just witnessed a lot of the anxiety and stress that money could cause um, a lot of those fights and working through high school and working through college, I, I carried a lot of that anxiety with me. I, I really felt that, um, you know, I, I felt that there would never be enough just because that's how I grew up. And, and even being in the industry and, you know, when I, when I got the job in the financial planning industry in my sophomore year of college, I started out as a receptionist and I began to see these clients coming into this financial planning firm who also had stress and anxiety around their money and they had questions that were unanswered and, I was there that I began to see that there's this whole profession dedicated around creating a plan with your money and that you can actually control it instead of it controlling you. And that kind of, you know, switched something inside of me and I, and I switched my major and I, I majored in financial services. I majored in money in college and, you know, I've been in the industry now for 13 years. And even through that time though, through my twenties, it took a lot of work and a lot of self-reflection and understanding my money story um, and how that has actually contributed to who I am today. But that's kind of where my background came from. And now, you know, from working with people who are mostly in their 50s and 60s and helping them retire, which was really educational for the first 10 years of my career. For me, it always came back to like wanting to help like middle market America, wanting to help help my generation, those like 20s, 30s, 40s. And so that's how I launched Workable Wealth. I just felt like there's such an under um, there's such a big need and it's an underserved market. And this the, our generation deserves this education as much as anybody. So. That's kind of how like all the pieces like fell together of my money story. But I did, I grew up with that stress and the anxiety and I've kind of parlayed it now into this profession of helping and empowering others. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And what would you say you do well with money? Of course, you've got all this expertise uh, under your belt and education, but what would you say is what you do best with money? Personally or in yes, working personally. with others? Personally. personally, what I do best with money is... Um, I mean, the best thing I do is, is create a plan for it. I track it. I Everything has a target dollar amount associated to it in terms of goals, and I direct it to where it needs to go. So to, I'm tracking the money um, is probably the best thing that I do with it. So do you use a spreadsheet, a, a software program, or what do you do to track that? 
I'm pretty old school. I'm I'm pretty old school in terms of um, tracking money. I actually just use like a, I use an Excel spreadsheet, just like a check registry. So I literally like to know what's in my checking account down to the penny. Um, And then, you know, there's mint.com as well to help to see where the money is going. But for me, it's, you know, my, the way I typically work is as long as I know what my savings goals are and I am saving um, the amount that I want to put towards those goals and I'm on track for those, like, I'm not necessarily going to like dig in to see like, what am I spending on dining out each month? Like, that's not what works for me. As long as I know I'm on track, I feel comfortable with what I have left over to spend. If that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. And I like that you bring that point, because sometimes we stress so much on like, especially when we're trying to get our finances in order. Uh, we stress so much about where that money is going, because we do need to know that, especially at the yes. beginning, if you, you, you don't know what's going on. But I like the point that you bring that, well, if your goals are on target, <laughs> you're not going to stress yourself where everything's going every single month because you have exactly. already a system set up. Exactly. I, I love that. And since with your background and what you do, uh, are you the money manager in your home or is your uh, husband the one that mainly manages the personal finances? So this is really interesting. So up until, so I, uh, we just had our first daughter last year. Congratulations. Um, first child, thank you. So up until last year, I, I, I handled a lot of it. Like I did the tracking, the paying the bills, I handled everything. And then with the launch of Workable Wealth, running the business, getting pregnant and doing other things. Um, one of the things that my husband and I decided on, we did two things. So actually now he now takes over the bills and we sit down together though every two weeks to kind of go through to figure out like what are we, you know, what, again, are we on track for our savings or, you know, for travel, for personal stuff, all of these things. And so he pays, he actually does the bills, but we sit down together to talk through like spending if anything's out of line. And then we actually, um, last year when I got pregnant, we hired our own financial planner. So, uh, that was one of the biggest things for me was I, even being the financial planner, I thought that was a lot of stress, um, because it does fall on you as a financial planner just to make all the decisions. And it's still a marriage though. And it's still, I don't necessarily, you know, I want his input and I don't want it to necessarily fall to me just because it's my job. So having a financial planner for us has probably been one of the most beneficial things for, um, our financial relationship and our financial goals as well, because it gave me that peace of mind, like, yes, we're on track. We don't need to do it all today. And it gave him like a third party to talk things through with as well. So, um, so we have a, we have our own financial planner now and, um, and then we kind of like, he, he pays the bills and then we handle things kind of together on a biweekly basis. Okay, perfect. And I like that you said that you, as a financial planner, hired one. And that says a lot because you also, I think you also need just the outside perspective, you know, even though you have all this knowledge, sometimes in trying to do, you know, with the knowledge, with uh, life at home, sometimes you oversee some things that an outside perspective uh, can, uh, can uh, share with you. So I think that's great that you did that. And then when you manage your finances at home, do you have a certain system that you use that works best? Uh, I know some people do the cash envelope system. Uh, I personally have different accounts for different purposes. Uh, Is there something that you use that has worked really well with you? So what we do, so in terms of like managing finances, that's like the biggest thing for us is like we, you know, I, I'm, and I'm big also like on a team method, even if one person's paying the bills, we, we both are involved in the process. Yes. 
Um, so what, what's worked for us is we also have multiple goals or multiple accounts for different savings goals. So we have a travel savings account that we put money into on a monthly basis for vacations. We have, um, even though our insurance premiums are due every six months, we actually break those down into monthly payments and transfer money into those accounts each month so that we don't have to pull like a big amount out of cash flow. So we have multiple savings accounts for different, you know, different things like emergency funds and that's tapped out, but like different, different goals. Basically we have the multiple account savings account method. So that's kind of one of the ways that's, that's worked for us. And I really like that way because it, I always know that like all of the bills are taken care of, whether they occur monthly, annually, semi-annually, um, that's something that's worked for us. And then really just, um, what we do is we divide our bills into two categories. So it's not necessarily software, but we divide our bills into two categories, even though he gets paid, um, he gets paid biweekly and then being my own business, I can, I, I pay myself monthly basically. So we, uh, divide bills into two categories, either the first or 15th. And then we kind of just target like each pay period, what bills need to get paid for them. So we have a calendar of what's going to come out of what checks and we just rotate through that. So it's actually really helped us to, um, keep track of, you know, again, like what we can save each pay period and what we have left over each pay period. And that's worked well for us. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Cause I love that uh, we do pretty much similar as a, an account for a travel. I separate the quarterly bills that come due transfer money every month. Cause that just for us has made life so much e easier. Cause I mm -hmm. just, once the bill comes due, okay, let me just grab that money out of that account and you're done. So that has worked beautifully for us as well. So I love hearing that you use that as well. And would you consider yourself a saver or a spender? Saver. Saver. Definitely. And how about your best money memory? My best money memory? Um, I, you know, I'd say there's, I have two different money memories, two, two best. I don't know. One is basically when I saved enough money um, to go to Europe after college. Um, that's probably one of my best like splurges for myself that I was able to work towards. And I'd say, um, just last year in my business though, was my, um, you know, it was the best year of my business so far. And that was really exciting for me and really empowering to know that I'm building a business, helping people you know, yeah. take control of their finances. So I, I don't necessarily think there's like one point, but just like when you, when you are starting something out and you're kind of told, I started because I was told I couldn't work with this generation and it wouldn't work as a viable business and knowing that it actually is a viable business and I am succeeding. I think that's just like, there's no better feeling than that for me, even when it's like the hard entrepreneur days, um, right. knowing that, you know, I have clients and people appreciate me and, and how this business has grown. That's just like, the best feeling ever. So it's not a memory per se, but it's just a feeling that I, um, I like to tap into every now and then. Right. And that's crazy that uh, you've been told that that specific niche wasn't a viable that's, business oh. model. That is crazy oh, oh, to yeah. me just oh, because yeah. you're really actually just starting earlier <laughs> is yeah. what you're doing. So I, that's crazy to hear that you've mm -hmm. were told that that is crazy it, it blows my mind <laughs> really interesting. yeah it's a whole another side topic but it's it's very interesting on like the yeah that's, that's why a lot of people who are getting into the side of things on the financial planning industry um it's a very like i said it's a very ignored market in the industry because mm -hmm. we're not pre-retirees they don't have their millions of dollars yet and we're not trying to sell them a product we're just you know selling we're just doing financial coaching and financial advice and um a lot of the older financial planners basically think it's not like a viable business model and because you're not charging somebody an investment fee for the money they have that you can't, you know, make it work when we're, people are proving them wrong now. Right. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how about your proudest money moment? I know you mentioned your 
trip to Europe and last year in business, but do you have a proudest money moment? Proudest money moment. I would say, um, honestly, like one of the biggest things, um, buying our, yeah, buying our house. That was my, that was, so my husband owned the condo before I moved in and then we bought this, we bought our most house, our house recently and just being able to like sign on the line, have the down payment ready, all of that. I think that's just one of the knowing like that we have our finances in order that we can do these things and we've saved and worked for that. Um, I'm so proud of that. I'm proud of, I'm proud of where we've gotten because we've worked hard to get where we are. So Absolutely. I think that's probably one of my proudest moments. Well, that That's a big feat because buying a house is, is not a, an, an easy or I can't say an easy thing. It's a long process. Uh, yes, and, <laughs> and you, yes, just to have the down payment, to have everything ready uh, to buy a house. That's, that's a big thing. So definitely, uh, definitely something worth to, to celebrate about. So I want to hear about you as is a certified financial planner, and I want to get some insights from you. So what do you think when someone thinks thinks of long-term planning and retirement. And I know we don't know when we're going to, how long we're going to be on this earth. And there's a lot of different variables, but how do you determine a good retirement cushion and what that looks like? So, um, there's, I can't remember who published the number right now, but there's an article floating around in like the past month or so that basically says like millennials, new retirement number, they need 1.8 million in a cushion for retirement. Um, I can't remember who published the study right now, uh, but I just I just looked at the article yesterday. Um, so that's kind of like a new like number that's floating out there. And, and ultimately, though, when I, you know, so for my husband and I, for example, we are targeting. I always tell him, I'm like, we need five million dollars in the bank to be able to retire, which is ridiculous. Um, and so um, one of the things is I would say you have to really consider your lifestyle. So when it does, we don't know how long we're going to be on this earth, but in terms of retirement, it's really hard. And I get asked this question a lot, and I'm sure you you talk about it a lot as well. So in terms of our retirement, you know what what your retirement looks like and what my retirement looks like could be completely different because it's going to be based off of our goals. And I think that's where people struggle, especially you know if you're in your 20s, 30s, early 40s, you're thinking like, gosh, this is 20 years into the future, 30, 30 years into the future. Why do I care? Um, but if you think about it, you know, if you view yourself as the kind of person who during retirement, you want to be able to travel to Europe, you want to be able to like golf, you want to be able to, you know, um, travel abroad to like volunteer or whatever, if you want to spend your time on more expensive activities and more expensive hobbies, well, that retirement, financial retirement picture is going to look so different than somebody who says, you know what, I'm really comfortable staying locally. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. I just want to spend time with my kids and grandkids, do some volunteer work, um, you know, and and that sort of thing. Mostly kind of like stay home and 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 stay locally. That's going to be a different kind of retirement funding than the, than the next person. So I think that's the biggest thing is when you do start, when you think about the kind of retirement you want, like if you're okay thinking like, hey, I'm just going to stay close to home and stay in the community and I'm not going to require a lot of money. Well, then you probably don't need to stash away, you know, as much as the person who does. But it's also a consideration of if you're buying a house and you're 
in your you're 35, for example, and let's say you get a 30 year fixed mortgage, you know, if you're planning to retire before 65, that means you're going to go into your retirement years with debt with a mortgage payment. Right. Is that something that you want to pay off ahead of time? So there's so many questions around it, that it's hard to say like what to do. But what some of the things that I recommend in my book as like an example would be, um, you know, start with the 4% rule, the 4% rule in the financial planning industry basically says that you can safely withdraw 4% of your savings, your investments each year to live off of. So if you had a million dollars, for example, that you saved up a million dollars, you can safely withdraw 4% a year without really running out of money. Um, so that would be $40,000 a year. So right. you have to ask yourself, could that $40,000 a year support me? And that's when it comes to like knowing the numbers and, you know, $40,000 a year there. And then if you're lucky enough to have, you know, we talk military, if you're lucky enough to have a pension, maybe right. that will supplement as well. And then Social Security that, you know, I say if we're young, count on half of that amount because we don't know where it's going to go. There will be something, but maybe don't count the whole thing. And then kind of crunch the numbers from there. So if you can't live off of that $40,000 a year, well, maybe you need to save $2 million. Um, So that's kind of where I start with the with the numbers of, of, you know, this is what you need to stash aside. But ultimately, if we're talking like younger generation, I I try not to start with like, you need to have two million dollars saved. I try to start with like, what can you do? You know, I try to aim for I say aim for 10 percent if you're in your 20s of your income and aim for 15 percent if you're in your 30s, more so if you're in your 40s, like just keep bumping up the amount you're stashing away and and that's a place to start because if you focus on that number, like I can't even get people to like save, you know, 20,000 into an emergency fund, let alone telling them they need $2 million. That's, that's just crazy. Right. No, I hear you. And I'm glad those are some great tips. And I am glad that you brought that up because recently I did an episode on because one thing that people just stress, oh my gosh, I'm never going to have enough for retirement. But I mentioned that you got to look and think about what that retirement is going to look like for you. And you mentioned that as well. So the lifestyle. So before getting overwhelmed and stressed, get clear as to what you want uh, and how you want to live. So I mm-hmm. love that you mentioned that. And some great tips with the 4% rule and um, how much you should save, what percentage you should, should save and what age bracket. So that was good stuff. And how about, let's talk about, there's the different options for retirement. We have the traditional Roth, the Roth RA, of course, your employer-sponsored plan, or if you're an entrepreneur, we have other options as well. So how do you choose what's best for you? Of course, and the Roth RA is post-tax dollars, and then the, um, I have to think about it, make sure I don't say it backwards. (laughs) And then the employer-sponsored plans are pre-tax dollars. So thinking in, t- in terms of repercussions down the line tax-wise, how, how do you determine what's best for you? Do you pick a combination of the both um, between Roth and uh, 401k? Tell us a little bit about that in your thoughts. So, so that's where it can get complicated. So depending yes. on the, the <laughs> clients. So there is... so. Um, I think you said Roth. So there's a traditional IRA and there's a Roth IRA. So a traditional IRA is basically pre-tax money. So you don't pay taxes today, but you do pay taxes later on when you take the money out. A Roth IRA is is post-tax. So you pay taxes today, but that allows the money to grow over that time period. And then all of the money comes to you tax-free later on. So, and that's, that's what you do on your own. If you, if you don't have an, so you have those options. Again, if you don't have any, if you have no sponsored plan through your employer, the IRA and the Roth IRA are always options. 
Um, the Roth IRA though, for again, if you're doing that, like you actually, you know, in the IRA in certain circumstances, you can actually phase out of those based off of the income that you make. So something to keep in mind is if you earn too much money, you might not qualify to contribute to a Roth IRA. Um, so those are things to keep in mind with your, with your planning. I've, I've come across quite a few clients who have been contributing and they're not, they're not supposed to be. So that can affect you. Um, but then the employer sponsored plans, your 401k. So a lot of employers now actually offer a traditional 401k and they also offer again, the Roth version, which again, so it's the, you either don't pay taxes today and you do pay them later. Um, or you, you pay them today and you don't pay them later. So a lot of employers now offer that traditional 401k or the Roth 401k option or, if you're a teacher, you have a 403B, or the military, you have a TSP, government stuff. So the thing to keep in mind with those is, first, if your employer offers any kind of match, if, if you get like 50% up to like, you know, 6% or whatever it is, always contribute enough to your employer-sponsored plan to take advantage of the match. That is free money. So if I can say anything, like take advantage of any free money anybody wants to give you all of the time. So before you even worry about tax benefits, like do that, because mm-hmm. that's, that's extra money coming to you. Um, from there, really one of the things is when we're younger, the Roth makes the most sense because our income is, you know, we're assuming your income is going to go up over time and tax rates are going to go up over time. And this is where there's certain like break even amounts, depending if you're a big, if you're earning huge amounts of income right now, it might make sense to actually do the, um, traditional IRA or the traditional 401k, because if your ta- your tax rates are so high right now, you want to reduce those and your income will likely be lower during retirement because you're sustaining a different kind of lifestyle. So those are, those are different things to consider. But if your income is kind of like middle of the road right now, um, you expect it to go up over time. Um, and we do expect tax, tax rates to increase over time. Then a Roth makes the most option right now, either a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. Um, but however, if you if you are in a high income bracket right now, then an IRA or traditional 401k taking advantage of the tax deduction immediately um, could be a better option as well. And there's lots of calculators online that can allow you to do like a break even analysis on that. Oh, if you get really if you want to get really detailed in the right. numbers and the other listeners. I was just curious because I hadn't asked that before. I'm like, that might be something good to ask. Just no, and you, and really, you it get it is interesting. Right. And you get and you gave some good, really good info um, as well. And last on um, last week's episode, we had uh, Melissa Coity from the U.S. Treasury on. Uh, she shared about the MyRA program. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that program in terms of adding it to the mix of what you're already doing. If you already have, let's say, a Roth RA or uh, are contributing to your employer sponsored uh, 401k. Um, tell us your thoughts on that. Honestly, I think it's an amazing program for those who don't have access to do anything else. But I, I do think that the best thing you can do is, is take the reins on your own and mm-hmm. open your own IRA or Roth IRA. And you would probably be able to do um, like the same 5,500. So you ultimately, I mean, because you don't have to worry about investments, you just get a guaranteed interest rate. That the interest rate is not going to necessarily be sustainable over the long run. Right. So while it's good, it's something to fit in as part of a plan. I would say ultimately, like max out your max out your Roth or traditional IRA. Take advantage of your full four hundred one k if you have that, which is like eighteen thousand dollars for the year. Eighteen five hundred. I always forget. Um, <laughs> either way, like put put the max in there, and if you have above and beyond, like I mean, then you want to go to like an after tax savings account. But chances are, you can there the Myra. I would rather if you had a Myra or doing it on your own. I would rather you do it on your own. Open your own account and like start to learn because by doing the Myra, I think all that 
I think it's a, a great idea, but ultimately you're kicking the can down the road on taking the reins of like your own financial future because you're choosing not to do the research of where to open your accounts, to choosing not to understand yeah. where your investment should be and what it should be earning. So I, for me, I don't necessarily think that's, I don't know, I feel like that's a Band-Aid, but it's not necessarily a solution to a problem for the, the financial education piece. Got it. No, I like that perspective. That's why I wanted to ask you because I did see it definitely like a good starter program, just a, a no-brainer way to just start up if you haven't mm-hmm. even done anything. Uh, so I love loved hearing your thoughts on that. So now I want to know about your book. Uh, tell us a little about, about your book. I'm definitely going to include a link in the show notes for this, uh, but how it all started, why you wanted to write um, the book and what the book is about. Sure. So um, the book is called Work Your Wealth, Nine Steps to Making Smarter Choices with Your Money. And the book kind of came about from, I launched Workable Wealth in 2013. And so I work with clients all over the country and specifically targeted like millennials initially. And and now my clients are like late 20s to early 40s. So there's like the, you know, if we talk generations, it's Gen Y and Gen X. Um, (laughs) But people like my industry talks about it, but people like, like, I'm just, I'm just 30 something. What does that mean? Um, (laughs) So, so the way it started though, by, by working with the younger generation, obviously, um, you know, some people are, are again, like are just starting out on their financial journey. And so by having, so basically by working with clients all across the country, my calendar is open to have consultations with clients all across the country. So I was getting a lot of phone calls with people who needed help or just needed the, the initial education, who needed, you know, had questions in terms of paying down student loan debt or how to set up a budget for the first time. And so that's kind of where the idea for this came from. I have always enjoyed writing and blogging is a big part of what I, you know, uh, what I do at Workable Wealth anyways. And so throughout like the hundreds of conversations that I've had throughout the podcast interviews I've been on and like the, the interviews I've done with the media a lot of the same topics and questions were coming up for this generation. And so, you know, and one of the things I do, I really enjoy working with women. It's kind of, my website doesn't specifically target them, but like, if you go to my website, it's, it, you know, it's very female. <laughs> the colors. Like, yeah, the colors, you know, I don't have a lot of single dudes coming to my website. Um, but so just through the conversations that I had, I realized, you know, there's a real need for education. And the thing is, like, there's tons of books out there already, but there's not, like, a peer-to-peer. There's not a lot of peer-to-peer stuff, like being a certified financial planner, being, like, I have the the education, right. I have the working experience. So it's different to be, like, an industry, you know, to be, like, a talking head and, like, talk down to somebody. I think there's a lot of that already. And I, I really appreciate, like, the Dave Ramsey's and, like, those, you know, I appreciate what they do. But I don't think it's a lot of like friendly, like, hey, I've been here. Here's what I've done. Like, here's what you should do. Like, I'm not any better than you. I'm just, you know, I'm a friend. I'm an accountability partner. So that's where the idea for the book came. It really came from being, I wanted to be encouraging. I wanted it to be, um, you know, from like peer to peer, like I'm a friend next to you. And I wanted it to be educational and empowering. So I didn't want it to be a 250 page finance book that made it hard to, to handle. I mean, it's pretty, it's like a, it's a pretty thin, you know, it's a pretty thin book. It's a quick read, but each chapter gives money moves, you know, in terms of like, you know, how to actually set goals that matter to you. And I think that's the biggest thing going back to, um, retirement and that scary number the biggest thing and why we should start with knowing where our money is going. Um, a lot of people just don't actually understand what they value and aren't, they don't really have clear cut goals for themselves. Like, you know, I want to travel with my family because, you know, these experiences will last a lifetime and I want them to see the freedom or see the world. Or a lot of people don't take time to set those goals for themselves and really spell out why things are important to them. And that's where, that's why people don't know where their money is going because exactly. why they don't want to just cut back to cut back. They want, you need to be invested in something. So the book starts with that and then it goes into like how to pay down your debt, 
how to set up a budget. You know, it talks about all the retirement stuff that we just spoke about, um, teaches about investments. And really, again, it's just, it's meant, it's geared towards, you know, I even say if you're looking for fancy investment strategies or like retirement planning tools, like that's not necessarily it. It's really like a basic, like jump starter, like here's how to get control of your finances. Let's make it fun. You know, I talk about diversification, which is an icky, scary word sometimes, but I compare it to shoes, like the types of shoes that we own. So I really try to make it like easy to follow and friendly. And that's, that's what it's about is like breaking it down and bringing it back to the basics so that you have that education and empowerment. You feel in control of your money instead of like having it be scary because that's where the, I think the industry makes it scary. They, like the, you have like this vision of like older gentlemen behind mahogany desks when you think of like money and financial planning and it doesn't have to be that anymore. No, I agree. And I love the, the cover of the book which I think yeah. will help change that yeah. <laughs> image of the of, of who a financial planner is, who, you know, what they, what the stereotype is. So um, that is exciting. Well, this has been fabulous, Mary Beth. You've shared so much good stuff, so many nuggets, so many great tips. I really appreciate that. And I want you to, um, the last thing that I want to ask you is just how you would finish this sentence. Her money matters because... Her money matters because the more you have your head in the game, the more likely you are to actually achieve your financial goals. Perfect. So again, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate your time and I'm hoping to connect with you soon. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me. So what did you think about Mary Beth? She was super fun, right? And then she's very smart and just a beautiful person inside and out. So I hope that you enjoyed learning from her as much as I enjoyed talking with her. I do want to share one quick takeaway uh, with you from the chat with Mary Bath. But before I do that, as usual, I like to give a shout out and I'm so glad that I get such great feedback on the shout out. So I'm glad, um, that you are loving it because I love doing these. So today's shout out goes to Julie. She is one of our members in the Fearless Money Sisterhood membership program. And she recently paid off, get this, 10,000 euros in debt. So congratulations. One thing about Julie is she is committed. She is consistent and she's not worried about taking those big steps. She's on, she's only focus on those steps that she's ready to make. So congratulations again, Julie, you've done great. You've accomplished so much and can't wait to see what else you accomplish in the next several months. So let's talk about quickly our, the chat with Mary Beth. There was something that really struck a chord with me. And that was the advice that she gave on how to determine what is a good cushion for you. And she mentioned to really how you determine that is to look at your goals and your lifestyle. And I love that she said that. It definitely aligns to what I talked to in episode 48. So if you haven't checked out episode 48, definitely do that. And I think it's important to consider this just because we get so bogged down with the actual numbers, trying to figure out the numbers that we overcomplicate it and we get ourselves overwhelmed just in trying to determine that number by 
all these different factors where really all you need to consider and think about is, like she mentioned, your goals, your lifestyle. So I really, really love that. So that is it for today. I want to uh, remind you about the waitlist for the Fearless Money Sisterhood. So get on that if you haven't done so already. And you can do that at jenhemphill.com forward slash fearless. The other thing I want to share with you is that next week is June. And in June, we are going to be diving into relationships and money. So we're going to talk all about that. I've got some great guests lined up for June, and I've got a very, very special guest that I'm excited to introduce you to. He will be our very first male on the podcast. So I'm excited about that. So thank you so much for joining me today. I want to thank Mary Beth for joining us, for sharing so much value. It was just a lot of fun, a lot of great nuggets in there. So be sure to check out the show notes on where to find Mary Beth and all the different links that we discussed in the episode at jenhemphill.com forward slash 51. So thanks again for joining me and I will talk to you again next Thursday.